Welcome to the Beyond Mom Podcast, the podcast for moms seeking connection to self while navigating the journey of motherhood. Get inspired with our practical tools, soulful conversations, and honest stories told by other women like you. From entrepreneurship to healthy living to style, Beyond Mom will spark you to live the thriving life you deserve. And now, join our host, Brandy Zinn, as she takes you Beyond Mom. Hi, everybody. This is Randy, founder of Beyond Mom. I'm so happy that you're taking your precious time because we know there's not so much of it and spending it here with me at the On Air with Beyond Mom podcast. This is a place to ignite discussions, inspiration, and resources for Beyond Moms who are women that are doing it all, living their life passionately, and really wanting to drive a sense of self in the midst of their motherhood experience. Such an important and relevant subject, so I'm so glad you're here. Today, I have an absolutely fascinating, very cool guest and friend. Her name is Alex Jameson. She is a Brooklyn mama. She is the kind of woman that really gets you thinking about your own cravings, your own passions for life, for food, for experiences that make a woman come alive so that they can really start to love their bodies and love the life that they're creating. This has really become her mission, and she does this in in groups that she holds, in coaching sessions that she has, in her writing, her content she shares, Um, and she's just had some really interesting career experiences as well as motherhood experiences. So I knew I had to have her on to share her stories with all of you. want to state she is um, the co-creator of a film that probably most of us have seen called Super Size Me. It got a lot of attention years ago. And now she's kind of shared a whole other phase of her life with us with her recent book called Women, Food, and Desire, Embracing Your Cravings, Make Peace with Food, Reclaim Your Body. I'm reading it and loving it. Um, So she's here with me. Hi, Alex. Hello, darling. So fun to be here. So glad you're here. So we're, because we're both kind of like dive in people, let's dive in. Let's do it. Okay. So, you know, one of the things that I notice in so many of the women that I talk to is that there's this um, experience of reinvention where maybe we were one thing, we Mm. have children, we become another thing. And your story, as you shared it with me, has so much of a reinvention theme in it. Um, as some of you who have followed you or will look into you after listening to this will see, you had a platform that was very much about promoting veganism and um, approaching health in a certain way. <clears throat> and then you went through your own motherhood experience and discovered something different and a new approach. One, I wanted you to kind of share a bit about that approach but also why you feel that deeper intuitive listening really actually works for women and moms in particular. Mm -hmm. Well, I know this is like so trite, but it really started in childhood. Um, You know, I was raised by hippies in Oregon on an old organic farm. And my dad was a teacher. My mom was an artist, an organic gardener. And their, you know, how they raised us was really like, follow your passion, what do you love to do? Um, And they really demonstrated that for us, like how to learn to do whatever you're interested in, that kind of thing. 
So I've never felt like I had to do any one thing. They really gave us the freedom growing up to explore whatever we wanted and to take risks. And God, I get a little choked up saying like, I, I, some, I, like I realize over and over again, what a gift they gave us to become the people that we became, me and my older brother. Um, so, you know, I became vegan at the age of 25 to deal with some health problems. I mean, I was raised total like organic, healthy hippie, and I had this secret sugar addiction. All of my babysitting money went to Dr. Pepper and like Rolos. And I got really sick in my mid-20s, and I discovered alternative health and veganism, and this was back in 1999, so there were not whole foods on every corner in New York City like there are now. It's a little more challenging, and I got so passionate about it because it really healed me. I mean, I was on the verge of major pain medication and Prozac, and instead, I changed how I was eating, and it made this huge, huge difference for me. So I got You know, it's like you've seen the light and everyone should be doing what you're doing because it worked for you, right? Maybe a little immature view on the world. But I got really into cooking. I went back to culinary school. And, you know, over time, our bodies change. Shocking, I know. (laughs) (laughs) They do. They do. But but I got a little stuck, that earlier um, vibrant... Um, kind of free-flowing organic adventure that my parents had taught us to embrace, I got, I became kind of famous as the vegan girlfriend, the co-creator of Supersize Me. I was now one of the big vegans and I wrote three vegan cookbooks and I was out there on stages. I was counseling people who wanted to try it and then I got married and then I had my first kid And then we were getting divorced and now I was 35 with a two-year-old and like I had put my career on hold and I, my body was falling apart again. I think it was the stress. I think it was being 10 years older. And I actually think that the body that had, uh, the diet, the vegan diet that had healed me initially wasn't sustaining me anymore. And I really got locked in this struggle trying to make this framework work for me that wasn't helping my body anymore. I was craving meat. I was getting my menstrual cycle every like 14, 16 days. I was exhausted and depleted. And I, but my emotional, my ego was so wrapped up with being vegan that I couldn't let it go. Even though I knew my body is telling me I need meat, I'm salivating over other people's food in restaurants, but I'm not allowing myself the freedom to explore it. So when I finally secretly started eating animal products in the safety of my own kitchen with the windows drawn like curtains closed, (laughs) my body felt so much better. Like physically, I felt so much better My cycle started to even out again. My energy came back, but I was now living like this double lie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I stopped calling myself vegan and I started just writing plant-based recipes and I stopped saying the word vegan, but I wasn't, it, it felt like lying by omission. Here I had this big newsletter list and, you know, I was going to these events to promote plant-based living I was like, but I need salmon. Like I need a burger a couple times a month. And 
I finally realized like I cannot live like this. When you're not aligned and really passionate about your pursuits, it's not going to go well, right? Like trying to grow a business that you don't fully believe in, you don't have total authenticity with, doesn't work. And I just felt like a sham. So I finally like came out of the vegan closet and it was really, it was really hard. I knew it was going to be a challenge because there are some in that community who, that are very, uh, vicious <laughs> and it went viral and it was terrible. And I lost, you know, a good third of my newsletter list unsubscribed. Uh, I lost a lot of friends. Um, Facebook was vicious and I also found a new community of people that were interested in what I was talking about, which was learning to listen to your body as your guide and that there are a thousand opinions about what you should eat. But in the end, you're the only one who can really determine what's best for you. It's such a <laughs> profound metaphor for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't it though? It really is. What It kind of leads me to what my next question is, but I think it you were headed there. If you can kind of share with us what the definition of cravings are to you, because so often I think we're we're told that our cravings are these kind of random or, or particularly unhealthy directions that something takes ourselves. But it sounds like your discovery is that that deeper understanding of what cravings are allows us to actually listen to something that's more of our truth. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Your cravings, cravings could be desire. It could be hunger. It could be an urge. Like it could, it, it's a word that describes so many things, but in the end, it all comes down to the same basic idea that cravings are your body's language. It's your body's way of telling you, you need something. It's a, your body's call for balance. Sometimes I call it your soul's to-do list. Like it's, it's a call for balance either. There's, there's four root causes to it in any way you slice it. It's nutritional, bacterial, emotional, and physical. It's always something that your body is trying to tell you you need. And it can be as simple as it's three o'clock. I've been sitting at my desk all day. I'm tired and I'm craving chocolate or, or a mocha. Well, your, your body's telling you you're tired and you've been sitting all day and yeah, you like, or you're bored, you know, all of those things can be happening at once. And that craving is telling you, I need to move. I need to stop looking at my computer. I need water. I need rest. I didn't need enough lunch. I'm too stressed out. All of those things are speaking to that one craving, but your body is really doing her best. I try to call your body a she or her rather than it, which makes it like an other bad thing. She is doing her best to try to help you feel good. And we are so bad at listening to what we need right? Especially as moms. Agreed. I also think we're a little scared of the giving in. So Mm -hmm. we sort of just get into our habits and almost disconnect from what's happening. Yeah. What if I give in? Oh my gosh. So you follow that train of thought. If I give in, I will totally lose control. I will eat everything in sight. I'll stop working. I'll end up on the couch, Netflix out. Like I'll become a slob and 
I'll lose my life and I'll end up dying alone under a bridge. Like that's where it always, that's where fear always goes, by the way, you're going to die alone under a bridge somewhere. (laughs) But we are afraid to lose control because we're so used to managing everything. We're managing ourselves, our kids, other people's expectations and emotions. And, you know, it's one of our gifts. It's one of our superpowers to be able to anticipate other people's needs even before they even know they need it. I mean, how many times have you found yourself in the kitchen making breakfast for everyone and you see the homework over there, you see the lunch being made over here, you're like, like you are managing so much you're like this hyper, we're hypersensitive creatures, especially after we become mothers. And it becomes so overwhelming. We totally lose touch with our own bodies and her needs. Yeah. And another thing that comes up for me as you're talking about this too, is that somewhere in that experience of actually feeling and sensing what we need, there's a willingness to be vulnerable. There is a period of time in there where, you know, you have to be willing to lose control a little bit in order to see what your body is actually saying to you. And I think it's the same, you know, I think of communicating with your partner or your child, you know, Mm -hmm. in order to hear what's really going on, you have to open up to the process before you. Mm -hmm. You do. And it's, you know, it is challenging for us to define what we want, like really define the craving and what's underneath it. You know, okay, I want chocolate right now or I want potato chips, but what's underneath that? What's causing that craving? How, what's my emotional state? What just happened? And then get clear on it and then ask for what we need to answer that original cause. So getting like practicing asking for what you really want. Like, wouldn't it be cool if I could ask so-and-so for so-and-so? If I could ask my partner to make lunch for the kids every morning, if I could ask my friend to recommend me to three new clients, you know, we forget to ask. We think we have to do it all ourselves. And then your body's just like, okay, I'll keep up. I'll just keep asking for more chocolate and coffee and that'll help us get through all this. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. I get that. You know, you talk about that by getting clear with our cravings and and making peace with them and understanding what's underneath them, that ultimately we could actually find a sense of peace Mm -hmm. with our food experience, with our bodies. And I've realized that for many, many people, that idea is so foreign of what that would even look like or feel like. So how would you describe for many people, what it feels like to be peaceful in that way. Mm. You know, food becomes this easy, fun thing where you're not obsessed about what should I eat, what's okay to eat. And instead, you're living your life and giving yourself all the other things that you need to nourish your body. You know, you don't always want food. You often want emotional or physical connection. You want, um, you know, you want to contribute. Um, you want rest, you want fun, you want play. Those are things that are not on our menus often, you know, fun and play and pleasure do not enter into the conversation with most diet plans. And I think that's how most diet plans fail us. They don't 
they don't fill your life with joy. They just take away because you shouldn't have this. Well, I think the way that diets are set up, you know, it's, it's really failing us. You know, women come to me all the time and they're like, oh, I'm a Weight Watch. I'm a Weight Watcher's failure. I'm like, you're a Weight Watcher's survivor. Now yeah, they put you up in front of everybody and weigh you like public shaming at its worst. I'm not sure if I answered your question. I went on no, a bit of good. a tangent yeah. there. <laughs> it's good. You know, I also think about, um, I remember even in my own early motherhood days, it can be not only, of course, exhausting. So you feel like you're in a, in a haze, mm-hmm. um, but you're sort of struggling to just keep the basics together. And I remember, and as many of you know, I'm about to have my second child and I, I'm setting certain intentions around how to do things in a way that's more balanced and more nourishing and more healthy for the, the long-term state. And I remember, unfortunately, you know, going out with the stroller just with that desperate desire for my son to sleep. And then I would, 20 minutes into the walk, be like, I'm starving to the point of, you know, shaking. And before you know it, I would sometimes, maybe more often than sometimes, grab like a chocolate croissant or like something that would just fill the belly enough and get the sugar up. And, you know, it's like, where do we, I mean, it makes me think of coming back to asking for help in other places. So you have the time to hard boil yourself two eggs and have some fruit before mm-hmm. you go out for that walk or whatever it is that kind of sets you in a, in a more balanced state. Yeah. We, we feel like we have to do it alone. We feel like if we're not doing it all by ourselves, then we're a failure in some way. And that's such a, I think it's so backwards and it's so common. I mean, I've, I've certainly fallen prey to that idea myself so many times and, you know, I'm, I'm getting remarried next year and my partner who had never had kids when he moved in with us, I realized I'm terrible at asking other people for help. It's like, I am doing everything in the morning and I'm not even asking him to pitch in. And I realized I was like, can you please take lunch and like oh, math? Can you help him with his yeah. math? The things I'm less enthusiastic about. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And he was actually, he's a much better homework helper than I am. He just knows how to present the ideas in a better way, or maybe he's less emotional about it. I'm not sure. I have my own childhood trauma with math homework that I'm still dealing with. So, you know, learning how to ask is, I think, one of the hardest and one of the most important thing that we can do as we, um, you know, try to make that space that you were saying, like we need to give us some, some breathing room so that we can hear our bodies and what she's asking for. So, you know, outsource, what can you outsource, outsource your childhood rearing, do it. (laughs) Yeah, I, I hear that. So how Alex has your personal experience with motherhood shaped this next phase of, of your professional and creative output. So, you know, talking more about food and sex, I mean, that's part of what the book goes into. What are some of the cravings your body's asking for that nobody talks about? Well, it's physical pleasure. And a lot of our desire is to feel, you know, juicy and desirous and yummy in our bodies. And that's, that's hard to talk about. 
I mean, it's hard enough for us to talk about body image and food, even though we think about it all the time, it's really hard to talk about it in a way that feels safe, but to bring in the added dimension of sexuality and intimacy with your partner, or what if you're a single mom, like I was a single mom for two years. And for the first year of that, I had no libido. You know, I was not interested. Most of us don't the first year after. Most of us don't anyway, but you know. There was some infidelity going on. That's why my marriage ended. And I internalized it and thought there was something wrong with me. And I thought I must be repulsive. I must not be attractive. Like I had failed in some way. And I know that happens to so many women. And we make it our fault. Or we think because we have an extra 15 or 20 pounds on us that we must be repulsive. And how, you know, I don't want to turn the lights on. I don't want him to see me. I've talked with a lot of men about this um, and, and a couple of same sex partners about this too. And the other partner usually is like, I'm just, I'm just psyched to be like getting some, <laughs> like I don't even notice the extra 15. Right. 20. There's a lot less attention to detail than you think. But so it's, so it's been interesting to be a mom of a boy who just turned nine and be talking more about food and sexuality. And he's now of that age where he's starting to ask about sex and bodies. And we've always been very open in our house about it. He has all the books, like he's had all the books that they're going to be using in, in sex ed and health class next year. We've had those for two years already. So he knows the body parts and how they work. But you know, the other night he actually asked my fiance, have you ever been to a strip club? Shocked. <laughs> shocked. But I, I loved Bob's response. I just let, I just let it be. I was like, okay, I'm not going to intrude. What, what happens? And Bob said, yeah, I have. And that was it. He didn't need to know more. Didn't need to know more. He, you could tell he was like interested, but kind of like grossed out. And I think we need to be more open about these things. You know, one of the things that comes up with my clients so much, you know, they come to me for weight loss. They're frustrated with their bodies. They're done with dieting. Like they're just, ugh. and they're, you know, they're, they're like reaching 50 and they're like, I can't live the rest of my life obsessed about my body like this. And they all have kids. They all have kids. And they're like, I have a daughter. She's reaching those teen years where she's going to start, I don't want her to hate her body like I hated mine. And I don't want her to pick up my bad habits. So how, what do I do? I say, you got to be honest with her. Like talk with her about what you're struggling with and what you really want. And, and then sit down and like have a big scoop of coconut butter or peanut butter and just like share it and just sit down and enjoy something together. Right? Like, Enjoy food, but talk about what a struggle it is because when you keep it secret, you keep the shame stuck in place. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm so curious about how we fuel our body and our mind and how that logically uh, connects to the state of mind of a young mother, someone who is like, you know, maybe a child like five and under and is really navigating the newness of it. And mm -hmm. I sense that it, it is so many of the things that you're talking about that really come up and finding that space and that uh, 
there, there's like just that extra level of confidence, I think, to give it its room and be with it mm-hmm. is so important. It's yeah. so important. It's it's hard to know what to do. <laughs> it's really yeah, hard. Yeah, well, that's why I wanted you to come on this show and talk because I think so many women don't know what to do with not only cravings but all of the feelings that come up and the changes in our our physicality, um, our mind, how we think. Mm-hmm. So much change happens. Well, you know, something I really encourage you to do, because exercise is a part of this, movement is a big part of this. It's not just learning to eat in a way that fuels you, because let's be honest, most of the people listening to the show probably know what they could be eating on a regular basis to feel well and really nourish themselves. You know, mostly plants, really good quality, you know, animal products, not a lot of sugar, not a lot of caffeine. Like, those are the basics. Um, You know, and then there is, you know, should I be gluten-free, all this kind of stuff. That's stuff you can even experiment with on your own. But do we do that? Do we do what we know we could do? Um, You know, there's this idea in positive psychology, wanting what you want to want. Like, I want to want more greens, but I don't. <laughs> like, I wish I wanted more of that. I want to want to go to the gym. <laughs> Do you think there's a little bit of that fake it till you make it period? Sometimes there is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I run these big um, online group cleanses a few times a year. And, you know, we, I definitely talk about that. You know, how, like, we're going to get really excited about how you're going to feel. Because right now, you're going to feel a little terrible for a day or two. Um, what was the other part of that that we were going into? Uh, I forget. I do too. That's okay. We'll come, oh. I'm sure we'll come back there. Can I blame oh, it on mom brain until he's like 25? Probably. Okay, good. Another thing I want to talk about, Alex, is uh, because so many women, so many beyond moms that I've gotten the chance to know and know what their goals are, you know, they have passions, they have beliefs, they have platforms they're creating. And so many, myself included, go into this process of writing and writing books. And it's it's such a unique, a unique process. So I'm always curious to hear about yours and how how it went for you creating your your work. Mm. So, you know, I, I think I was very uh, I'm not going to say lucky. I want to take credit for, you know, I, I want to say like, I'm going to stop saying that I'm lucky because I've worked really hard <laughs> to, to get where I've gotten. But I, I love that I had the chance to write my first book before my son was born. And then, you know, the when Super Size Me came out and the first book came out, I had a chance to build that platform a little bit before I had my kid. And... I think I can't imagine doing it the other way, but I see other women doing it where they already have kids in the house and they're building their business online or their social media presence. And I'm just, I'm so impressed, so impressed by them. Um, you know, it, it requires extreme boundary skills, I think, um, you know, flexibility, but also strong boundaries for the most part where you got to haul in the support, like having other people take care of your kids so that you can set up the time to write when you like to write best. 
You know, I am a morning writer. I love writing in the morning. That's just, I've got more creative headspace there. So, you know, having somebody come in and take over for me, you know, who can give me three mornings a week? That was really important for me. Yeah, something that I I hear a lot and um, acknowledge in the, the book I'm writing is that many women have a very hard time justifying having somebody come in or, you know, whether that's an emotional justification or financial justification and using that time for things that they can't see the obvious return yet, you Mm -hmm. know, whether it's going off with your little notebook and jotting down ideas around a book outline or things that speak to you that might become something. Well, I can't pay someone or I can't give the time I would have with my child uh, away so that Mm -hmm. I go and write in a notebook. And I'm like, no, no, actually, yes, you can. And you should actually, because where are you going to get if you don't figure out how to prioritize the visioning and the dreaming Mm -hmm. and um, the brainstorming? It's where everything starts. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, your kids are going to get so much, a such better version of you when you've taken care of yourself. And that includes your passion projects. So I know that when my kid is home in the evening, you know, uh, he's home about five and I am making dinner and we are hanging out together for the next three hours. I am totally there with him. And it's because I've taken care of me and my stuff in the morning or during the day. And those three hours are golden. Yeah. And you really treasure them and love them because Mm -hmm. of it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I want to, so I remember what I was going to say earlier and that was talking about movement. Yeah. 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 I think one of the things we get caught up in is, you know, eating right and I should be working out more. So, you know, again, when it comes to food and movement or exercise, working out, like what really feels good to you? And, I can't stand going to the gym. I just can't do it. I go, I go to a strength trainer. Like I work with a personal trainer once a week. Um, you know, I've got some back issues and recovering from a concussion. I'm like, okay, I gotta like, I really have to work on strengthening and getting aligned, but like moving in a way that's really fun. When I do webinars and classes online, like I have people like dance and do these really like, or I feel like it's like modern dance, but it's really tuning into your body. And and I'm totally inspired by different kinds of dances like Nia and Koya, all these really feminine styles of dance, which aren't about like aerobic moves and routines, but instead like feeling your body. And that's a totally different way of relating to exercise and movement. What's fun for you? Totally. I'm with you 100% on that, Alex. That's how I, I like to talk about things as well and, and do things in my own life. And it yeah. can change day by day. There's days when you want to like really put your body through some changes and you have that something to give. Mm-hmm. And then there's days that you just want to like flow on your yoga mat. Yeah. But I think it's it goes back to your idea of, of listening Mm-hmm. And really hearing and it not being about some sort of competition or mm. sense of, you know, if I don't do this, I'm not worthy <laughs> or if right. I, you know, or if I do this, I'm bad. Um, but that right. it's, it's communication with your own self. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of habits 
You know, I think habits are awesome. And the, the neuroscience around habit formation has been incredible in the last few years. So many books out about it that I love. But I think there's a, a more feminine way to approach habits where it's not like, okay, I'm going to do 10 squats every day and I'm going to do this exactly at this time. It's like, you no, know, like create, I, I call it freedom within the framework. Like have a framework of what you know you need on a regular basis but then be able to play with it. So I know I need to move. I know I need to eat well. Um, you know, I need to take my vitamins. I need to write, like all these things. But how it's going to show up every day is going to be different. I like that. I really like that. So let's talk a little bit about um, what it means to you to be living a beyond mom life. Because mm. that's what you know we are talking about here. And you're offering your very special wisdom and insight but you know, you to me, you have really captured so much of what it is that I love to talk about in this conversation. Um, how how do you, on a daily basis, and it's I know it's a continual work in progress, but you know what has really worked for you in terms of expressing what you know you're meant to create and share on this mm -hmm. planet on this time you're here, yeah. and as well as being a present mom, you sort of touched on it, but I'd love to hear more. Well, gosh, what does beyond mom mean for me? It, I think it means like being fully rooted in the, the reality that I am a mother and my kid is like, he, you know, he is my favorite person on earth. He's just this amazing person I get to hang out with. And he's not the only person I get to hang out with. Like there are other people that I love supporting. There's other people I love hanging out with. And I am very clear that like as much as he is totally in love with me and loves to hang out with mom, that's going to change. And that's going to be hard for me. And it's only going to be harder for me if I don't have my own life. So beyond mom means like continuing to have my own interests and my own passions outside of motherhood that support me, you know, financially and spiritually and emotionally so that I can be a good mom and support me when he's no longer, you know, tugging at my apron strings 50 <laughs> times a day. Yeah. I also, to add, just because I feel like women feel like if they are out of their home and they're doing something that their kids don't see, mm -hmm that they lose something. And I really argue the opposite, which is that we are the model of creating passion and creating something meaningful. And when our children see us doing that, there's no better lesson because don't we want our children to go out and create something special in their lives? Yeah. And I want my kid to I think he's going to be into girls, you know, I'm not sure, but I want him to be, he is asking about, okay, good point. Um, <laughs> I want him to, you know, f be attracted to and find partners and support. I want him to support women who have their own passions and their own projects. You know, I want to raise a good man to support other great women. Good point. 
Alex, this is so wonderful. I, I could sit here and talk to you all day. But before we end, tell our listeners um, anything else you want them to know about what you do, where they can find you and follow you and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I love hanging out on Instagram. That's my favorite. So I'm there at Delicious Alex. Um, and, you know, if you want to know more about cravings and what your cravings are saying to you, I have an awesome quiz that you can take at cravingsquiz.com. And it takes about five minutes and you'll get your cravings type, um, which is totally based on the Ayurvedic doshas. You know, this is 5,000 year old medicine from India, but it's a real, you get a really cool report. It's very fun. So go to cravingsquiz.com. And then what about you? I mean, your website, like what's oh, there, yeah, me your, too. your podcast, <laughs> you, tell us you, you, Alex. So um, I'm at alexandrajameson.com and I also have a podcast. Um, we're on episode 66. It's called The Crave Cast and I interview women about food and health and sexuality and, you know, healthy living and positive mindset, um, you know, all the things that we crave basically and it's It's really fun. I have a good time over there. So come check it out. Awesome. Love it. Alex, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing all of your wonderful wisdom with us. Mm. It's really special. And thank you all, wonderful listeners, for tuning in again. As as moms ourselves over here, we know that the time you take uh, to listen and nourish yourselves with inspiration and great information um, is really meaningful. So thank you. This is Randy on air with Beyond Mom, and we'll see you next time. Bye.